0: Well, if you have your Bibles, I've got uh, three scripture references that we're going to be digging into today, because we're going to be talking about Vision 2024, kind of lay out of, celebrate really what God has done this last year in our church, and then also lay out. Potentially, really, what we 're praying for and hoping that God will accomplish in and through us um, for this next coming year, so Haggai chapter one, for those of you don 't know uh, much about Haggai, Haggai' is a prophet in the Old Testament. In fact, if you go to the end of the Old Testament somewhere in the middle of your book, um, about three books before Matthew is the book of of Haggai Haggai chapter one, then you can flip to matthew twenty eight and then acts chapter two matthew twenty eight and acts chapter two, and we 're going to reference these throughout, but uh, today we're calling it Vision 2024. In the past, I've I've done what's oftentimes called the state of the church. Um, I don't know, maybe you want to feel like the president with the State of the Union. I don't know what it is, Uh, but really to just explain uh, what's gone on uh, in our church over the last year and talk about really what we're praying and asking God for. Um, We believe that the, the, the vision that God has given the church is not a new vision, right? It's called the Great Commission right? There's nothing new or magical under it. It's not like, oh, this church has got it figured out and others don't. That's not what we're talking about. When we talk about Vision 2024, God gave the church one great commission, right? And that great commission is for all churches, regardless of denominations, to accomplish that great commission. Um, And so we're we're not talking about anything new, but I do want to unpack a little bit about what we believe or what we're praying for God to do in that. And Haggai... The book of Haggai, to give you an idea of what's going on, Haggai is about a vision that God had given the prophet Haggai over the rebuilding of the temple. Now, for those of you who don't understand what goes on in the book of Haggai, I want anybody know where Ezra and Nehemiah are in the Old Testament? Okay, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Hebrew Bible are actually one book uh, put together. One is about building the temple, and the other is about rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. Now, for those of you who don't realize what that means, back in uh, 586 BC, the city of Jerusalem was besieged by the Babylonian Empire and laid to waste. They destroyed the temple, broke down the walls. You had the the nation that was carried off into captivity. Matter of fact, if you grew up in in church, maybe you heard of uh, Daniel, the prophet Daniel, and you had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and those guys, they were all in Babylonian captivity. After 70 years in captivity, There is a vision that Ezra and Nehemiah begin to see, and Haggai, the prophet, goes to prophesy to the people who are going back, coming back out of exile from captivity to Babylon and showing up in Jerusalem. And so the prophet Haggai speaks to the people of Judah during that time. Now, Proverbs says it this way. Where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained, or if your version might say, the people where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy is he who keeps the law. So vision has a lot to do with it. I believe that God has given his people, the church, a vision of what he desires to accomplish in them and through them in great ways. A matter of fact, Chuck Swindoll, a great pastor down in Texas, says it this way, when I think of vision, I have in mind the ability to see above and beyond the majority. In other words, oftentimes we will fall into what would be called the status quo of vision in our lives if we don't rise above and beyond the majority. So I wanna cover a couple things real quick, great things to celebrate this last year. Our average weekly attendance was 88 over the past year. For those of you who don't realize or who are fairly new, that's been a slow and steady increase, um, and that's including kids. Let me clarify, kids and, and workers back in the kids' ministry. So our average Sunday attendance has been about 72, which is right back to what we would say was our highs pre-COVID. Our, before COVID, we were running in the highs would be in the 70s. Um, and so we've, we've seen God do some great things. We, God has brought people to our church over this past year. We have had kids baptized. Our high attendance was Easter of 145. This Christmas Eve, if you weren't able to join us, we had 134. Here's what I like to brag on. And this comes as a result of the faithful obedience of God's people sharing the gospel We baptized six people this last year. Now, you may say, well, six, that's not very many. But if you consider that our average attendance was 80s, in the 80s, having six, that's 10% or just under 10%, which is a good portion. I would love to see that number higher, right? Who doesn't want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ? We want to see our nation reach. We want to see our city reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've had six baptisms. Last year, we had 10. So over the last two years, we've had 16. We have 47 people volunteering across all of our teams, kids, worship, safety, welcoming team, first time uh, or first impressions team our finance team, and things like that. So roughly, think about that, roughly half of our church or half of our regular attendance is serving in some way, shape, or form, which please hear me out on that. As a pastor, that is a love. I can't brag on that enough. I've grown up in church my whole entire life. A matter of fact, we jokingly say I was in church nine months before I was obviously born. Um, but I want you to know that oftentimes... The average church has about 10 to 20% of people who serve. If we're running close to 50, that is a huge brag on you. All right? So I want you to know that. Many more great things are to come, though. I want you to know that. I believe that many more great things are to come as we increase our devotion to what God has called us to do. Seeing clearly is important, and vision is really determined by what you look through, All right? I've used this in the past uh, in a different sermon, different idea. When I was in Texas, I got a ticket. And when I got a ticket, I could no longer drive the church van unless I took a driver safety course. And in the driver safety course, they asked for a volunteer who wanted to try on the drunk goggles. And I was like, ooh, 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 let me, 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 I'll do it right? So there's this class. I don't remember. There was probably 10 or 12 of us in there. And they they gave the drunk goggles, which by the way, I decided one time when I was a youth pastor, I'm going to buy those things and let the kids see what it's like don't try it because they're like $200 for a pair of drunk goggles. So um, anyways, but I remember putting on the drunk goggles. The instructor brings me up to the, to the class. You put on these goggles. You can't see. And it's basically what would be a 0.08, which was at the time a dr- the, the, the legal limit. I believe it's still the legal limit, but I know some states in the past was 0.08. Some was 0.10. But at the time in Texas, 0.08 was the legal limit. I put them on and, and oh my gosh, my like guy's like, this can't be that hard. I had the aisle right down the middle, right? And he's like, just walk this aisle. So I start to walk the aisle, and next thing I know, I'm like laying in another guy's lap basically across the chair because I couldn't walk straight, right? And so you know what it's like to walk with impaired vision if you've ever walked in those. But at the same time, I can also tell you that if you have bad vision and you put on the proper glasses, what does it help you do? It helps you see clearly, Right? So when I have the proper vision, I can begin to see exactly what God has, and I always want to sit by this. We should look at everything in life, everything that goes on in our society, in our culture, in my own life, through the lens of Scripture, so I can look at it in this way, that as if I'm looking at the world through the lens of Scripture. Why? So that I can see exactly what God intended from the get-go when it comes to vision for my life for my family's life, for my ministry that I'm supposed to take part in or to serve in or to do within the church. And so vision has everything to do about it. I can see clearly, and it's important to see clearly, based upon or determined what I look through. So here's the big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this, that godly vision leads us to accomplish the Great Commission together. A healthy, godly vision leads us to accomplish the Great Commission together. I want to flip to Haggai chapter 1. It'll be on the screen here. Haggai chapter 1, starting in verse 3, and it says this. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains ruined? Now, this is talking about the temple of the Lord being rebuilt at that point in time in the city of Jerusalem. And he says in verse five, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Everybody say careful thought. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. It's important for us to keep this in mind that we give careful thought to our ways. Each and every day. And I I, want to be very clear in this. When we come to this idea of Haggai, I want you to know this, that vision is the bridge between the past, the present, and the future. Matter of fact, Haggai is reminding these people at this point of what had gone on in the past, what God was doing in the present, and what God wanted to do in the future, as you read Ezra and Nehemiah and the book of Haggai together, you begin to see that God uses the past of the people of Israel to move them into the present, which is building the temple, so that they can move into the future of everything that God had planned And in store for them to reestablish the temple, to rebuild the walls, to reestablish the people or the nation of Israel as God's people. So it's important that vision is that bridge between the past, the present and the future. I oftentimes think about like this. I don't want to stay the same person, do I? The past is the past. As a matter of fact, if I was to bring up my past, some of you would be like, oh my gosh, it's shocking. Others of you, you've heard my stories over and over and over again. And what you will know is that God can use the past to show us exactly what he wants for us in the present and lead us into a future that is greater. Why? Because God does what he can do in my life and through me to restore and redeem others as well. In Ezra chapter four, As they're beginning to rebuild the walls of the temple, they run into some problems. And they're reminded of their past. And it says in Ezra chapter four, verse four, then the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. Can I tell you something about the vision that God has for your life and the vision that God has for the church? You and I are the temple according to the New Testament. That the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of me, and we are called to build the temple. And here's the struggle oftentimes in our lives, is that we don't focus on the building of the temple, we focus on everything else. And so then Haggai's words come in, you have planted much, but you have harvested little. Why? Because you're not focusing on building the temple. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill, and you put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. Hear hear me out when I say this. When we talk about this whole idea of living with vision, then we have to understand that oftentimes we'll put all of our effort into everything else when God says, listen, if you focus on the temple, when you rebuild the temple, when you set the foundations of the temple, when you build it and you build my house, then all of these other things will be added to you, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. But here's the way most of us oftentimes, well, I gotta worry about planting and I gotta worry about eating and drinking and I gotta worry about my wages and I gotta worry, but we don't live under a biblical perspective of what God's wanting to do. When I build the temple, then everything else is added to it. When I allow God to develop me and grow me and mature me, then everything else is added. I'm going to ask Chad Nixon to come up. For those of you who don't know, Chad, come on up, buddy. Um, I want to brag on Chad here just a little bit, but I also want to say some stuff. So Chad is our, the pastor at Hope Church or Hope of Lake Lafayette. I don't know if you want to have a seat. You don't have to. Here's a, here's a microphone. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, we have been operating as Ascending church for Chad and and their church as a whole. And anybody know where Lake Lafayette is? Okay, I, I see one of you. There's a couple of you. All right, it's out near Odessa, right? Just south of Odessa. You go out to Odessa, take the exit, go straight south. You're gonna drive all the way down to Dollar General and you'll run into Chad's church. Now, I wanna say something real quick before I let Chad kind of take over. When I met Chad, I, met, I sat down with Chad and, and a guy named John Britton, the DOM at West Central Baptist Association, and Chad was like, man, I have a heart for these people. I want to I plant a church. I've already got this Bible study going, but we need a pastor. And I, like, like, I remember looking, and John Britton, the same thing. He's like, Brian, we need to find a pastor out here. And I was like, I know the pastor, bro. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I know the pastor. He's like, no, what? no we need a pastor. I'm like, yeah, the pastor's Chad. And Chad's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not me. I did, no way, I'm not doing that. I was like, man, Chad, I don't, I don't see anybody else going out there. You've got a heart. You live there. Man, you, I, I think God's calling you, right? That God had given you a vision to do something great. So tell us a little bit about that vision with Hope of Lake Lafayette.
1: Okay. Well, if you're, if you're not familiar with Lake Lafayette, it's a rural community. Like he said, you go to Odessa and turn south and drive out in the country about five miles and you'll find Lake Lafayette. Um, it's a very poor community. It started out as a lake, one of those lake resorts where you buy a lot and you can take your camper for the weekend, right? And then it went bankrupt and has just been there for years, bankrupt and broke. And about eight years ago, um, the community organized and voted to become a city. And so Lake Lafayette became a city. About five years ago, um, Renee and I, due to some health issues with me, um, were put in a position where we had to sell our house and move into someplace cheaper. And one of the ladies that we went to church with had come to us and um, asked us to come out and help her make some repairs on her house. She was a widow. And long story short, we ended up buying that house and moving to Lake Lafayette. And, um, because of financial reasons. And after we got there, I would go and and volunteer at Harvester's Food Drops in the area out that way. And I would gather up all the leftover food in my pickup and I would take it to Lake Lafayette and we'd put it out on Facebook or somewhere. There's free food at the mailboxes up front. And it started out the first time it took a couple of hours to get rid of what what we had in the truck. And each time our truckload would get bigger and bigger but the amount of time it took to give it away got shorter and shorter. And we began to realize the, the need in Lake Lafayette. And then one night I was sitting, I, I, we're right on the lake, and I was down on my dock, and fella came paddling up on a, on a kayak. And he said, are, are you Chad Nixon? And I said, yeah. And he said, can we talk? And I said, sure. And he climbed out of the kayak up on the dock, and we sat down, and he said, Last night I was sitting in my trailer over on the other side. By the way, um, one of the reasons that we really want to plant is Lake Lafayette has 400 residents, give or take a few. Um, There's six homes with basements. Everybody else is in a trailer, or a lot of people are literally living in sheds. We have people, uh, a number of people who live without electricity or running water, Um, Blew me away. I, I, I lived in Odessa for 20 years, five, six miles from this, and I did not know it was there. I didn't understand because it's kind of hidden off the main road back there. Um, so anyway, this fellow climbs up on the dock, and I'll be quick with this story, Brian. You're good. Um, <clears throat> climbs up on the dock, and we sit down and start talking. He said, last night I was sitting in my trailer, and I had decided that it wasn't worth living anymore. And he said, I'd loaded my pistol and I was getting ready to kill myself, sitting at the kitchen table, and lady knocked on my door. He said, nobody ever knocks on my door, and I opened my door. It was my landlord, and she said, I haven't seen you for a little bit, Chris. I, I was worried, and so he told her what was going on, and they talked, and she said, there's a guy that lives on the other side of the lake. I know he's a God guy. You need to go see this guy, <laughs> and so when he paddled up, and he asked, are you Chad Nixon? I said, yeah, who are you? And he introduced himself and I said, do we know each other? And he said, no, but I heard you're a God guy. Long story short, I, I got to accompany Chris on his journey to accept Christ right there on my dock. Um, and that made me start thinking, you know, maybe it's not just food this community needs. Maybe this community needs some Jesus, right? And so we started as we would give away food. We started asking people, can we pray with you? And not once, not one time did anyone say no. Everybody had prayer requests for us. And then another ministry donated an old bus to us. And so we started running the food. Instead of having people come up to the mailboxes, we started running the bus through the community and delivering it. And God put a wonderful team of people Core team around me, people to help with that ministry. And from that ministry came Hope of Lake Lafayette. And Brian's right. In the beginning, I didn't want any part of being a pastor. If <laughs> you'd asked me just four years ago, hey, you're going to be pastor in a church out at Lake Lafayette, I'd have said, no, no way. And when we started this, um, my mentor, David Howey, Brother David Howey, who had just retired from one of the churches out by us, my home church, um, David came on board and he preached for the first three months. And I was happy being the outreach pastor, right? Doing the food ministry and stuff. And then one Sunday, David said to me, um, I'm not preaching next Sunday. And I said, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll find somebody. He said, oh, you, you got somebody. And what do you mean? He said, it's time. (laughs) Oh, brother, I don't know. He said, your, your, your first message is ready. We've been through it a couple of times. And so I did a degree and I started pastoring and, and I guess the main part of that story, now we've got pastor, my brother Steve has come on board as one of our pastors as well, and the rest of our core team. And The reason I tell that story is because I, I had vision for this church and vision for this community. And I knew in the back of my mind that that vision included me as a pastor of this church. But I ran from that calling I tried to avoid that calling. I, I, I just, you know, I'm. I'm look, I, if, if you knew Brian's past, you might be shocked. But if you knew my past, <laughs> you'd say, get off the stage and don't come back to this church, right? Um, and so I just didn't see me as a pastor. But um, I want to tell you guys as you look at your 2024 vision, we're doing kind of the same thing obedience. Man, step through the door. Respond when God calls you. We need help at Lake Lafayette. If you want to go work in a mission field, we're right down the road, and we'll welcome you anytime. Every Saturday is a work day when the guys come and, and work on the building. Um, we, we do meals multiple times a week. Food is a huge thing in our community. Look, like I just told you, we have people living in tents year-round. We have people that, and not a lot, But if you get just outside our community, right behind us is an area called Holiday Lakes. Another defunct thing, you know, um, Holiday Lakes. There's 100, 150 families living back there. All travel trailers, not mobile homes, travel trailers. And I bet most of them are probably from the 60s at the newest. And Lake Lafayette is where those people dream of living, and so we've just just started to reach into that community. Look, the things that we see are things that inner city churches see, yeah. and we're out in the country in the <clears throat> middle of nowhere. We've had experiences with children that were from broken homes that had terrible things happening in their home. We've had exp- all kinds of stuff going on. Um, and we need help in the mission field. We need help going door to door. We need help um, preparing meals. We need help. Everything we do, we need help. We're still so early in the planting process that it's really a core team doing everything. We don't have a whole lot of people from the community coming in yet. Um, it's hard to, to reach a community like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we've, we've built trust in the community. We're recognized there now. They welcome us with open arms. We can go door to door. I don't know how many, Steve could probably answer this. I don't know how many homes there are in Lake Lafayette, but we could go door to door and never once, never once in a community where drugs are rampant, where addiction is crazy, never once have we been turned away from a door. Never once have we had someone say, no, you can't pray for us. Get off my property." <clears throat> never once. This Community is starving yeah. for Jesus. They're starving for hope. It's hopeless out there. We think we know what hopeless means. Folks, come and, and ride mm-hmm. with me for a little while. I we were shocked when we moved there.
0: Yeah. How but, uh, how can we be praying for you? How can how can our church be praying specifically for you guys as a you know I mean, um, you and Renee, which by the way, let me brag on Renee. Renee uh, has worked, she was over here at Santa Fe. Um, matter of fact, my youngest right here. Yeah, she's at Blackburn now. Um, she's been a teacher for years here in Independence. And so, um, but yeah, how can we pray for you guys? Yeah, I um, pray
1: for our core team, for Juan, yeah. Taco, Teresa, Steve, um, all of them. Because, you know, we're two years into this plant now. And um, actually going on three years, aren't we? Three years into the plant. It's exhausting. Yeah. Mission work is not easy. I don't care if you're doing it here or if you're doing it overseas somewhere. Mission work is not easy. And it's exhausting. And burnout is a real thing. So pray for our core team. Pray for God to give them peace. But, you know, we had 17 baptisms last year.
0: See, that's awesome. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and I say that to brag on God, not to brag on us, right? God put us in the right place for that to happen.
0: And God Um, gave you the vision for it.
1: God gave us the vision. That's exactly right. Like, I know,
0: like, if I could tell you this, when I first met with him and I walked away and John called me up, John Britton was a DOM, he calls me up literally probably five minutes after our meeting and he's like, Brian, we got to find a pastor. I was like, dude, the pastor's right before you. He's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, it's Chad. He's like, no, Chad doesn't want it. (laughs) And I'm like... Well, I don't care what Chad wants. God's calling Chad that's to plant right. the church. God gave him that vision. He's calling me. It's just going to take God's timing to work in that, right? And, and, and as much as I ran
1: from that calling, I've never experienced more joy in my life than yeah. I'm experiencing now. Behind that sacred desk was a place I never saw myself. But that's the place that I'm the most comfortable that I've ever been in my life. Now. Yeah. Um, I don't know how long that calling. I don't know. You know, I've got health issues. I don't know how long. Our, our dream pray for this. Our dream when we started this and and the dream that God gave us, the vision that God gave us, was that we would build this place and be able to hand it off to the next generation, debt-free, in a very, very short period of time. If you look at that row of people that came with me this morning, we're the young ones, okay? The core team, I I don't know, our average age is probably 70-something, right? I'm actually the youngest in our core team, and I have major health issues. But we're building this, and if you ever come and see what we're doing, and you find out we're all broke old people, and when I say that, I mean it two ways. We're physically broken, (laughs) and we're financially broke, and God has provided for this. We're we're getting close to finishing our buildings right now. I mean, we're doing sheetrock, mudding, and taping, and and all that kind of stuff. So um, pray for physical strength um, for us.
0: Let me do this. Let me pray with you. Okay. And pray for you. Church, would you commit to pray over this next year, couple years for Chad, for the hope Hope of Lake Offiette? Father, we pray for Chad and Renee. God, we thank you for the vision you placed on his heart. God, knowing that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And God, we thank you for the great work that we've seen out there. We thank you for the faithfulness and the commitment Uh, to reach a broken community, a community that's full of of broken families, drug addiction, with poverty and things like that. And God, we pray that you just continue to redeem and restore those individuals. God, that you would use Chad and Renee, Teresa and Taco, Steve, and the rest of their core group to continue to see the gospel propel forward, to see hearts changed. And Lord, we do pray. We pray for more workers in the harvest because we know that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Thank you Thanks, guys, uh, thank, uh, thank you everybody. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, hey, uh, you know, as, as, you, as we kind of run into this, I want you to think about um, this statement, a man without a vision is a man without a future. A man without a future will always return to his past. And the beauty of the vision that God gives us is God gives us a vision so that we don't return to the past, but we walk into the future with him. That's the promise, that's the hope. I want you to see this. Number two, vision reveals our destination right? That God reveals that to us in Matthew chapter 28. When we look at that consistently, as you read scripture and know in Matthew 28 verses 18 through 20, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So reveal our vision reveals our destination. See, Jesus left us this great commission. And sadly, many in the church take it as a great suggestion or respond with a great omission oh he didn't mean me he surely didn't mean the whole church he that's that's for pastors that's for apostles that's for the prophets and evangelists and teachers but the reality is that God gave it to the whole church and that's our destination we want to be a church that is all about making disciples right and discipleship is more than just sitting in a class discipleship is taking it upon yourself to grow in the, in the word on your own, but it's also growing with other believers together, making disciples within our church family that's going to lead us to make disciples everywhere we go. And so my question to you would be this, in where or in what way does God want to grow you to become a greater disciple for him? How do you grow? How do you continue to grow? What can you do? What's the next step you can take? And please hear me out when I say this. I believe that everybody has a next step. I don't care if you've been a believer for 50 years or a believer for five minutes. You have a next step to take. And one of the things that I believe that God wants us to do, I would love to see 20 people this year. I'm praying for this, that 20 people will take the next step to become developed, to become discipled, and to lead the next generation into becoming disciples and leaders. That's our destination, to go and make disciples. That's literally what he lays it out. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, not just some. You know, I think about Chad and at Lake Lafayette. I can think about some churches right now. Like, I operate and I'm working with ethnic people groups within the Kansas City area now. Do you realize that we have a prayer and a desire to have an Afghan church started? There are now probably around 1,200 Afghan refugees have been brought here since the, the, the withdrawal when everything happened. 1,200 Afghan refugees in the Kansas City area. We're praying that a gospel-centered church would be founded through them. Do you realize that our Somali population is through the roof? Matter of fact, Somebody tell me, anybody drive down 24 Highway, Independence Avenue, into Kansas City, or do y'all avoid it? Because most people will get to 435 and they go south or north, they're like, I ain't going any farther. I want to challenge you to drive down this week, drive Independence Avenue from 435 into downtown. Do you know that there are Somali clothing stores, Somali restaurants? Matter of fact, I go down there quite a bit. I'll eat at the Somali restaurant. I got to know the Afghan market, uh, the kid who's been here. He's been here uh, for the last eight years, uh, grew up in Kabul. I was like, man, we're having conversations with this kid whose dad owns the store, eat food at the Afghan market, eat food at the Somali market, go down to the Vietnamese restaurant right down the road. There's a six block area right there in Northeast Kansas City where 54 nationalities are represented, 54 Right here in the city. Matter of fact, as far as it is from this church, it's like eight miles. Like, that's not very far. We have the opportunity for cross-cultural missions, whether it's out at Hope of Lake Lafayette, whether it's downtown in inner city, Kansas City, working with Afghan, working with Somali, working with Hispanic. Do you realize our Hispanic church is still going? It's, it's floundering. We've got to deal with some of those issues. But nine years ago, we started a Hispanic church that at one point, pre-COVID, was running in the 40s and it reached, almost everybody they had reached was new believers, Those are the opportunities that God says, and vision requires obedience. And so I wanna be very clear that I believe that God gives us a clear vision so that we know where we stand and what to stand for. Because if we don't have a vision, unless we stand for something, we're gonna fall for anything under the sun. And that's what we see. So our goal this year, we wanna see people on cross-cultural missions. It may be here in Kansas City. It may be in Montana. It may be at Hope Lake Lafayette. But our goal is to see 50 people this year take the next step in cross-cultural missions. Our goal this year is to pray for and pursue seeing 10 people baptized in 2024. Our goal this year is to carry the gospel to every home in the 64055 zip code. For those of you who don't know, we've already started. We've hit 2,000 homes. Do you know how many homes are in the 64055 zip code? Yeah, I found out, 16,029. Yeah, matter of fact, I've already started calling some pastors in some of the other areas of the city. And I said, hey, listen, we've got all the supplies through Saturate USA. We're gonna go door to door across 64055 sharing the gospel with people. Now, listen, one of those things we did a couple weeks ago, right before Christmas, Nobody answers the door in our neighborhoods. We've gone door to door like five to seven times. I can't remember. And of those times we've gone door to door, we've had five people answer the door. So when we say door to door, it really isn't door to door. Because the odds of you having a conversation, most people aren't opening their door. But we're going door to door. We give them a Jesus video. We give them a gospel track. We give them information on the church. And we're partnering Across churches. I've already contacted a couple pastors in our area because we want to see the gospel in all of the homes in 64055. Now, lest you think that's a small area, I want you to know that when I requested all this information, 64055 goes from here to 291, all the way south of 40 Highway. And a matter of fact, it goes east of 291, south of 40 Highway over there by Hidden Valley Park. Had no clue when I requested. All the homes for six (laughs) four zero five five. So I got a little um, uh, rambunctious or ambitious, but our goal as a church, together with some other churches, we're going to partner to see the gospel in every home in six four zero five five this year. The only way. The corporate body of Christ will fulfill the mission of Christ. And what God has given us is to have a fulfillment vision of partnering together in this. When he says to go and make disciples of all nations, he's talking about that. The role of the church is to carry that out. And so I want you to know this that vision reveals our destination, vision requires obedience which is exactly what he's called us to do. And then the last thing is this, that vision demands devotion. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter two real quick, and I'm gonna wrap up with this. In Acts chapter two, verse 42, it says this. They devoted themselves, everybody say devoted. Devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I think those are four main things that were, fulfilled in the early church. Four things that the early church focused on. I, don't, I want you to notice this very clearly. It doesn't say programs, does it? It doesn't say busyness and committees. It doesn't say teams, but it does say they devoted themselves to what? Apostles' teachings, the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the Word of God. They devoted themselves to each other in fellowship. In other words, to develop relationships with other believers within the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, as we go into this year, our goal is to, to, to create some opportunities for you to get together and fellowship with other people outside, even church programs. This year, we're going to have things called Dinner for Eight. As a matter of fact, we're going to look for host homes, people who will say, I'll host a dinner for eight. You don't have to provide all the meal. Everybody's going to bring something. But dinners for eight are when you and I will sign up for these things. We'll have a host home. Eight people will eat together at a house to fellowship together, to break bread together, and to pray together for each other. That's it. You get to know each other through that. You're gonna, you may say, wow, you're asking me to step out my comfort zone because I am an introvert. yes. The Bible doesn't say introverts are excluded, does it? Like, I get it. All of us have introverts, extrovert personalities. I get it. I'm asking you to take the next step to be devoted, to grow together with other people within the body of Christ. Why? Because you need it. Fellowship breaking of bread and prayer together. They devoted together to study God's word. Listen, we study it on Sunday mornings. I wanna encourage you, you can get involved in a life group. Sunday morning, we have our Believe class right now. I would love to see it go back to where we had multiple classes on Sunday morning, but that's dependent upon you showing up. If we have five people teaching classes and there are only four people showing up, it's kind of stupid, isn't it? Right, It's kind of a waste, but if we have people showing up, then we're going to continue to expand and grow. When we grow together in God's word, devoted, what do you think about that? Devotion. Like yesterday, I got to watch the Wyoming Cowboys win their bowl game. For those of you who aren't from Wyoming, you don't understand this, right? But Wyoming is a small state. Matter of fact, you guys realize Wyoming has less than 500,000 people, right? In the whole state. Yeah, yeah, everybody's like, what? And everybody, when they would come to me, they'd go, convince me to move to Wyoming. And here's exactly what I'd say. Don't, we don't want you there. <laughs> everybody's like, well, that's rude. I'm like, no, because if you come there, you screw it up. <laughs> All right, now, now I've changed my attitude toward that, but I want you to also know this. I got to watch my, my Wyoming Cowboys win their bowl game yesterday and their coach retired. He's announced his retirement yesterday. It was his last game and he went out on a win. And he talked about the devotion. And we could think about that in light of the chiefs or the royals or, well, maybe, the, maybe not the royals, I don't know, but devotion is an extra effort It is doing what you can to the fullest extent to be devoted to it, to commit to it, to grow in it. And it says that they were devoted, they devoted themselves as a body to these things, the apostles teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. So we got dinner with eight or dinner for eight. We're going to have a number of things throughout the year to do that. But I want us to understand this that in order to accomplish everything God talks about, godly vision leads us to accomplish the great commission together, that we have to understand that godly vision demands devotion. It demands a commitment. It demands an an above board, a, a, a more than just that's enough. See, I believe the wholeheartedly that the church is the training ground to learn, to grow, to share, to encourage, and to fellowship together. And honestly, it's a training ground to prepare God's people for works of service. The Bible says that he's called some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and preachers to prepare God's people for works of service. And here's what I know. And here's what I get to interact with and respond is that when I see people like Chad Nixon, or I see people within our church who rise to the occasion because God has called them, God has given them a vision, and I see the faithfulness that's a result of, listen, growing in a church that has a vision for the future. It remembers the past. It knows that God's doing great works now and it has a vision for the future that God can do amazingly, much more than we can ever ask or imagine when we remain faithful to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you first and foremost for Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the hope when everything may feel hopeless, the light and the darkness. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. And so, Lord, we we pray that maybe today there was just a a glimpse, a vision that you have placed on individuals' hearts here, a vision that aligns under the truth of your word, a vision that aligns with the Great Commission. Maybe you've placed people On their heart or in their mind that they need to share the gospel with. God, I pray that we have 500 gospel conversations this year. That's 10 a week. And the more gospel conversations we have with those around us, the more opportunities we have to see people come to faith in Christ. So, God, may we walk with boldness, with faithfulness, and humility considering others better than ourselves because that's what you called us to do. And may we stand firm on the truth of your word. God, we pray for a great harvest. We know the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God, would you raise us up as churches, as leaders, as as believers within this church. God, calling out those who maybe are carrying an extra burden or a weight right now because you have placed upon their heart a great ministry and you are preparing them to do that ministry. God, we pray that you have your way and that you do more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.